I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sinead, I challenge you to say one thing that happened in this show. Um, yeah, the guy cut his finger off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm imagining someone who doesn't know anything about Emily in Paris just listening to this first 30 seconds and then... That's the one thing you've got. But in a way, doesn't it sum up the entire show? No. It's chaotic. It's a chaotic memory that I have. It was a chaotic scene. It's a chaotic show. Okay. Hello there. Welcome to I Only Like You and Movies. My name's Lonnie. I'm here virtually with Sine. How's it going, Sine? Hello. I'm well, thank you. Not just us, is it? It's not. I'm here with Sine in Melbourne and Erica in Brisbane. How are you going, Erica? I'm good. How are you? Very well. So if you don't know who Erica is, shame on you. Firstly, just get out. (laughs) And then come back because Erica's our best friend and our Emily in Paris bestie. We happened to watch the first season together and then we got together again for season two, which we watched in one sitting. Some say the best way to watch a television show. (laughs) <laughs> um, Erica joined us last year for the Emily in Paris season one recap and so we thought we can't do a season two review without Erica. Erica, some would say that we sat you down and um, it was like Clockwork Orange. We had to get your eyes open with that machine just so you could watch the show with us. But others would say Emily in Paris is actually a good show and people should love it. How do you I come down that- on Emily in Paris? I wonder who those two people are, who the two different opinions are. <laughs> um, I didn't have to be forced into it. There was no propping of eyes open. Yes. Um, I very much enjoyed hanging out with you guys. Um, like oh. Sine, I didn't take a lot away from the actual show. I had to write notes and go through a recap episode by episode to remember what happened. <laughs> Another sign of a great television show was that you can't remember what happened. But isn't that that quote about people forget what you said or did, but they'll remember how you made them feel? Yes. And this show made us feel good. So made me feel something. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so to just sort of scaffold the show today, I'm going to ask Erica to run through the plot again for us to remind us all. We've got some reviews to talk about. Also, we've got to talk about the fashion, of course. That's the main point of this show is that it's all about chic couture. Is that the right word? Yes, I I think so. Thank yeah. you. Thank you very much. Um, and then, yeah, just generally our thoughts about the greatest show of all time, Emily in Paris. Uh, just first of all, Sinead, you're probably our biggest hater on the show. What are your general thoughts hater. of the show? Go I'm on. not a hater. You just overcompensate from my slight hatred to be like <laughs> an enthusiastic stan. <laughs> Listen, it's a vapid show. It doesn't have a lot of like charm for me. But I enjoy watching Lily Collins and it's a bit of fun and I don't know, it happened, like it's a thing, but I don't really, I kind of nothing it. I don't hate it as much as you think I do. 
you just like overcompensate, as I said. Hmm. Like you can you could admit that her fashion is bad, ostensibly bad, right? Well, the way I think about it is that every outfit that she wears in particular, but most outfits on the show, is something that's designed to make you say, oh, my God, what is she wearing? Some ways in a good, sometimes good, sometimes most of the time in a bad way. Name one time when it was good. There was at least one outfit we were all like, oh, that's all right. But <laughs> maybe I have to refer back to Erica, who's our expert on the show. I've, I've, again, like a lot of the show's actual plot, I've blocked out a lot of the fashion. Um, it's probably, I probably like the times when she's not wearing fingerless gloves, which was yeah. most of the time. <laughs> there were a lot of fingerless gloves this season. Maybe it's the have, time she's I wearing the... Oh, sorry, I have some news about that. I can save that for later if Ooh. you want. Please, please. please save that up. I guess maybe the best half was when she was wearing the guy's jacket. Oh, that was yeah. tailored perfectly to fit her? Yes, definitely. Mm. Yeah, wearing the, just one jacket with no pants, um, no skirt, <laughs> nothing underneath. I, that was very, like, cool, I think maybe in an 80s way. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. That kind of was reminiscent. Shoulders, of, yeah. yeah. Um, but it was also the most simple outfit she had in the entire show. Yeah. She loves to power clash, as um, Jack Donaghy might say on Dirty Rock. <laughs> Definitely. It is very much like, you know how Coco Chanel says you should put your outfit on and take one thing off? Mm. I think Emily in Paris is like, put 10 more things on before you go out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I have to follow that rule while I'm in Paris, so I'd better put on everything I have. <laughs> so when I take off one thing, it's fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so maybe we should go through the plot of okay. season two. All right, I'm happy to... Um, lead the way and feel free to interject as um as you remember this too um mm. all right so we open with at the end of last season um after a season of flirting with her neighbor gabrielle who had a girlfriend who emily liked a lot um camille mm. they break up because he plans to leave and open a restaurant in normandy um so emily immediately immediately sleeps with him <laughs> Um, then, As you then do. he says, um, oh, actually, no, I, um, one of your other love interests has, or a man who has been sexually harassing you, um, has decided <laughs> to, um, open a, op- help me open a restaurant right here in Paris so I can stay. Um, so Emily had kind of been flirting with someone called, I think, Matthew, or well, I'm not, that's not the French pronunciation, um, who is the nephew of a designer she met from work. Um, everyone she knows, she knows from work or living next to them. Yeah, and, and um, this guy, he was just so shoehorned in the last 10 minutes, wasn't he? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Just just to have another person because she yeah. couldn't hook up with the 70-year-old gay designer that she was working with, yeah. I think. I didn't even remember that he was in this. In the first no. episode, I was like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. I just, so, and I guess after knowing her from for a, a week or two, um, he offers to take her to Saint-Tropez. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're about to go to Saint-Tropez. Um, Gabrielle and Emily have this tension because she's like, no, 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 you're here in Paris now. You need to get back with your girlfriend, who is mm. also my friend. Mm. And don't tell her about any of this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they're about to head off. Everyone at her workplace kind of knows that she's hooked up with Gabrielle. Like Sylvie, her mm. boss, seems to be aware of it because she can't like control herself when she's around um, Camille, the girlfriend, ex-girlfriend. Um, and she's kind of like, that's all going to come out eventually. Maybe don't, um, <laughs> maybe don't do that. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so they're at the episode ends with they're about to go off to Sandra Fay, Emily and Matthew. She gets a call from Gabrielle. She gets very upset and she's like, no, you need to get back with Camille. Matthew hears this and he's like, well, you're obviously kind of into that dude. Maybe I'm not going to go with you on a romantic holiday when you're like almost in tears over some guy you hooked up with like a few days ago. So he jumps off the moving train. <laughs> he does jump off the moving train. <laughs> I do recall that. Yeah, that, that's kind of how his character is treated as well. Just Absolutely thrown yeah. away. Just, We're done with you. Yeah. yeah. So the next episode, she just goes to Saint-Tropez and stays at the hotel that this yeah. man paid for. Yeah, I, not, not good. I have an issue with this shocked. as much as you guys. Why not? The, I the holiday's because... already paid for. I think it's because maybe if she wasn't, I mean, he did offer, he did say, you go. But I think it's the fact that she was kind of not, I guess, duplicitous in a way. Like, it wasn't like he was like, no, I'm in love with my ex-girlfriend. You go, because I already paid for it. Like, he found out that someone he was dating has feelings for someone else and is having tense romantic conversations with them. Hmm. Just, it feels very, I mean, it's tacky, which I guess is the theme of, Emily and mm. it's it's ring God mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to let someone you've been seeing um, pay for you to have a holiday. <laughs> it wasn't as though she got there and called the hotel and said, no, 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 I'll go somewhere else. It just, she just stayed in the suite that he booked. Um, so then her friends, Camille, the ex-girlfriend of Gabrielle and Mindy, who is her singing friend, um, they decide to join her in Saint-Tropez. I mean, um, I think I'm, I'm more okay with a friend coming on along because, like, you know, why not if it's your friend who's doing the thing? But, yeah, Emily shouldn't have done that. Just morally it's not right to take that holiday regardless, I think. Uh, yeah, and then she's like, well, I'm going to make it worthwhile by working. Um, yeah, she which you can't do. Work. You can't do that in You can't France. do it. As this show said about <laughs> ten times in this episode, it's illegal to work on the weekend. Which is good, and they presented it as though like it was shocking, like as though it shouldn't mm. be the case. It's it's fine, you know, like just work nine to five. It's okay. But it's kind of funny though, because her job isn't a nine to five office job. Kind of mm. often throughout the series, she's off doing things at night time and putting on events and things that aren't your traditional, you know, clocking in at eight thirty and leaving at four thirty in the afternoon. But <laughs> I get the joke. I think it's fine, but it's kind of funny to have that having it both ways, aren't they? Yeah, which. I guess I guess I kind of understand, but in the sense that there wasn't a planned work event. Like True. she just turns up to a random restaurant who is meant to have Camille's family's champagne in mm. stock. And she's like, where is it? I would love some of this um, disgusting champagne. They established in the last season the champagne is very not good, so they want to market it as something you just spray over each other. Yeah. Um, so at the hotel, the guy's like, oh, yeah, get that disgusting stuff out of the back. <laughs> Um, and then she forces some of the people who work there to spray her with champagne on the beach. That is true. Yeah, that, that that was an odd sequence. <laughs> it's just, and it's just, I don't know, that shouldn't be her job. You know, if she's in marketing, she should be getting someone else to do that. She shouldn't have to also be the Instagram influencer being mm-hmm. sprayed with champagne and then just, I guess, walking around the rest of the day. She was at lunch. It's true. You're totally right. The the lines get crossed between her being the marketing executive and also the talent at the same time. Mm. Yeah, and I think they there was a bit more to that in the first season. I think which it it was obviously a blurring of lines, but it it's made a bit more sense. I think some of the campaigns she ran and Mm. she was 
that thing with the setting up a mattress display out in the um, little mm, the bed. It felt more organic yeah. in yeah. season one, yeah. Yeah, um, but this they just I didn't think they really took advantage of her as this I had no idea of an influencer. Um, so what else happens in this episode? Oh, so Camille tries to like hook up with someone to get over Gabrielle, but Emily very aggressively stops her. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, no, no! You need to get back with your girlfriend, um, your boyfriend. No, you don't. Let it happen, Emily, and then you get with Gabriel. Honestly, um, turns out her boss is married to the owner of the restaurant. Mm. Um, that I don't know if that was meant to be. I don't know. They do present like French people as just like so liberated and sexy, and everyone's cheating and polyamorous, and I don't know if that's. I mean, this is the most minor I think of the criticisms of them. I don't know, leaning into French stereotypes, but mm. just a bit odd. Yeah, I wonder if that actually occurs so much in France, whether we just, that's the impression we get from film and TV. I have to assume it's a lot of just, like, like isn't a lot of it like rivalry too? They're historical, I mean, not just like rivalry, like football rivalry, also like wars over mm. like leadership of countries between England and France. Yeah, it um, just sort of filters down through pop culture. Yeah, so... I just can't imagine that everyone has like an entire, like all of France is in a polycule is what I'm saying. I'm going to put it out there. My controversial opinion is I don't think everyone is dating each other. Well, and pretty much every French person we see in this show is a bit freaky in some way. Yes, that's very true. I think, um, I don't know. I guess I don't need someone to be like to match Emily's repressed Midwesternness. <laughs> But no. everyone is uh, like a little bit weird or or like very sexually open or I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. What it just seems like at the slightest push, everyone will get in bed together, you know? Yes. Yeah. And it's so open. Like it, I think that because it's a workplace drama too, that's what confuses me is that mm. they're talking about this in their workplace. Her boss is like, I don't know, involved in her life and her boss hates her. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if they were just like friends at a bar or if they were like, college or something where they could have that sort of stuff is more au fait but yeah in the workplace that is not on yeah um nothing else was really exciting to me from that oh she meets <laughs> um she meets someone who comes up later in this story but again not in a very substantial role which is just an arrival fashion designer to the um client of her marketing firm oh, yeah. she is tricked into thinking like um that he loves a sample suitcase that she's brought with her but actually he's fierce rivals with the person whose face is plastered over that suitcase that causes a minor drama so I guess maybe it was nice to see a sign of her like being a bit naive at her job Mm. and not just like falling into success Mm -hmm. Um, if I recall correctly I saw an Instagram post of her that is Lee Collins being inside of that suitcase like she's that flexible and tiny and I guess the suitcase is that big that she was able to fold herself into it. Oh, gross. It was an enormous suitcase. Yeah. I really um, believe that. Um, next episode, things start to blow up for our girl. Um, it's her birthday. So she invites Gabrielle to her birthday dinner so that he can talk to Camille. Um, Gabrielle is very jealous, I think, of Matthew and the fact that she'd gone on this trip. Camille invites her to a spa where everyone gets naked. Mm. Um, not on, not on. I mean, getting naked's fine, but you probably should invite somebody without letting them know, hey, we're all going to be naked here at this event. 
Yeah, just the fact that it was just no notice given. They just thanks. Here's your birthday present. You get to hang out with all of my naked friends you haven't met before. Oh, yeah, I forgot it was her birthday present. Even yeah. later. Um, and where they talk about, I guess Camille and Gabrielle. Um, mm. Emily just sits there, <laughs> repressedly. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and then things will blow up at the dinner. So I don't know what she expected to happen, as though Gabrielle would never mention to Camille, oh, I hooked up with Emily when we were broken up. I think she truly thought that he would just never say it and that they would, he would happily lie for the rest of their relationship. Yeah, like she didn't give him a choice, did she, in her scheming? No. And I think it was fairly clear to us as the audience that he really likes her. So maybe he didn't want to get back with Camille because they didn't want to be together. So, Sine, do you think the end game is that Gabrielle and Emily get together? That's like kind of how the last episode ends or something? Has to be, right? That's mm. what they're heading towards. Yeah, because it kind of feels like the show's over if that happens or this, the dynamic changes at the moment. It's all about will they, won't they sort of stuff, isn't it? Mm. Well, it's mm. been renewed for, I think, two more seasons. So okay. that's plenty of, plenty of time we're going to have to wait for that. Maybe I'll get together and then break up pretty soon after and then finally get together for a wedding. In yeah. season four. Oh, mm. that'll be beautiful. Somehow the Eiffel Tower will be in the background as yes. they get married. Yes. Um, and I didn't really like the rest of the <laughs> season, so I'm going to gloss over it. Um, <laughs> she starts going to French classes again, finally. Um, mm-hmm. She still cannot speak any French. Um, so Camille's really mad at her. Um, Mindy starts busking. She finds some buskers she likes. Mm. She, she does. Um, <laughs> um, Emily starts to flirt with someone from her French class called Alfie, who is a British man who hates the French. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's a British banker, isn't he? Yes. In it. Um, mm. <laughs> Sine, what did you think of Alfie? He was a meanie pants. He was like <laughs> nagging her the whole time just kept saying awful things about her and she's like, oh, you're flirting with me. He's not. He's being a jerk. I just, I didn't understand why they would write him that way aside from just clearly indicating to the audience, just really slapping them over the head for the fact that they are not going to stay together. Yeah. Like, I'm just making him as gross as possible so they know that he's not the end game. But I didn't know what she saw in him. No. He was there, I guess. That's about the only thing you can say about him. He was kind of... Maybe a little bit charming underneath it all, but his like first, second, and third layer is a real jerk. Like maybe deep, deep down there was something. There's yeah. like a screenwriting principle. It's like a choice between good and evil is no choice at all. Or in terms of a love triangle, choice between a nice guy and a bad guy is no choice. You go the good guy, and this guy's he was awful. Why would you be with him? It doesn't doesn't really feel real that she would go for him at all. He did have air conditioning. Yeah, so. yeah, true. <laughs> Listen, I've been known to make some not great decisions when I've been quite hot and aggravated. So maybe that's the only way that I can justify in my head why she decided to hook up with him. Also, I, I haven't hooked. To be clear, I haven't hooked up with anyone. This is a horrible analogy. I'm just saying I get agitated in the heat. That's all I was saying. Well, I think, like to, to her defence, she she just hooked up once with him. Like I don't think she's trying to him be the end goal. And maybe she's trying to distract herself from her feelings for Gabrielle, so. Sure. I think that's a, a, that's a good plan, I think, seeing as she is so dating-focused that mm. she probably did need to, I guess, distract herself. 
Mm. And she hadn't met any new clients at work, which is normally who she would go to date. It's true. <laughs> Maybe the it's, leak people. Yeah, it's her real life Tinder is is her workplace, isn't it? Yeah. She didn't do much in, in the workplace this year, did she? I didn't, no, as as much, of, at least. Just a lot of going to a meeting and then having a slide deck. So I guess she's putting together slides about yeah. leaks. and Yeah, true. Um, the next episode, there's some – oh, the Gabrielle's restaurant opens and there's some drama that's resolved immediately. Yep. Um, this is my note that says Alfie boring. Mm-hmm. Um, Correct. And so Camille starts to soften and she and Emily take a pact. Um, that they both will not be with Gabrielle. I wonder how that's going to work out. But she's yeah. sort of tricked into taking that pact, right? Like I, I didn't read it as Camille having good intentions. No. Oh, no, no, I don't think it's presented like that. I think it was clear to anyone who was in a bright-eyed Midwesterner that um, Camille was going to do that so Emily would back off mm. so that she could then get back with her boyfriend. Yeah, and I think it was also, wasn't it the mum's plan? Like there was no scene with the mum, like Camille's mum was like, you know what you should do, and then we cut away. Like yeah, that's the idea, yes. right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, next episode, I think, was boring as well. Sylvie starts to hook up with a younger Dutch photographer. Couldn't care tension. less. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm happy for her, but it was a waste of an episode where it's like, which photographer will they go with? Um, they will go with the more famous and better one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, the stakes are never that high, are they? No. Um. Alfie and Emily eventually get together because it is very hot in Paris. Um, and then she texts him, I think, like once every 20 minutes for an entire day. And she starts to panic thinking he's ghosted her, but he hasn't. She had stolen his phone when he she took the jacket home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because she didn't have any clothes to wear after they hooked up. Yeah. That that kind of felt somewhat realistic to me, not, not to me personally, but stories I've heard of friends or whatever, like, you hook up with a guy who's no good and he's probably, you know, he's not, no, he's like, you're sort of stooping to be with him. And then he doesn't text back and you get annoyed because you're like, this dick has not been not responding. What the hell? I yeah. kind of got into, I thought that was kind of maybe the point they were getting at there. Yeah. I think that was a, that was fine. I guess as a little throwaway thing, she was very intense. Hmm. Some of the messages that came up on the screen were a bit very clingy. Um, at some point, I I would have just gone back to his apartment and seen if he was there, like if you were genuinely True. worried. Um, she's an I'm, intense person, there. Okay, you got to remember that. Yeah, uh, she's. So we found out this season that she's older, I think, than we realized. So she's twenty nine now, and so I'm thirty one. And I think two years ago, I probably wouldn't have texted someone maybe a hundred times in a day <laughs> um, without them replying to me once. <laughs> I don't know. What, maybe, how would it have been? Like maybe 20? 50? Uh, yeah, maybe maybe zero. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It was just a – yeah, she comes across as younger, I guess, and I think they're kind of playing into that youthful naivety. Hmm. But she's – yeah, to be 29, she's, that's a bit more advanced in your career um, for her to – Know, yeah, so if she was 23 or 24, you might be like, yeah, it's... Yeah, it doesn't have the world experience. But she and she had... Not, I think they weren't engaged, were they? When we started the, seas, the series... Yeah, that was pretty full on. Yeah. She had a long-term boyfriend. They were mm. engaged to be engaged or something. Mm. So she's had experience with this before. Um, also in this episode, Mindy 
who has been presenting herself as a penniless busker, um, is found out to actually be the zipper queen of China <laughs> by the um, by the guy that she had been dating. Yeah. Um, and he's very offended. Um, in the next episode, oh, this is what I think you teased, Lenny. Oh, no, Sine teased. Um, the cut finger. They head off to Camille's family um, to, I guess, meet the, see the sham papa or the sham pair who's the figurehead of the um the gross champagne dynasty yeah um and in trying to dramatically cut open the bottle he slices his finger off and emily is sprayed with blood and she is just filming this on her phone um but i think that was all of, ended up i guess the reason for all of that was for gabrielle to comfort camille over her father mm-hmm. almost losing a finger. Yeah, it's a classic thing on a TV show where like a few characters go away, then everyone has to end up at the same place on holiday yeah. at the same time together. Yeah. Um, wasn't very exciting. Next episode. Oh, her boss arrives from. Um, yeah, Kate Walsh, Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think that's meant to be. I always, for some reason, I assumed that. I've mixed up Chicago and Gotham is in where Batman lives in my head. <laughs> <laughs> I think from I think from the um Christopher Nolan Batman movies. They filmed mm-hmm. there. I just, yeah. yeah, so I assume, I think of Chicago as Gotham. So she's not there, she's not um a Batman villain. <laughs> she's just American. <laughs> she arrives, she's very unhappy because it looks like they're not making a lot of money. Mm. Um um, there's some tension about Antoine, who is someone who is having an affair with Sylvie, the boss, who pursued Emily um, mm. as a much older creepy man who had a weird sexist campaign for his perfume and is now the owner of the restaurant Gabriel works at. Um, apparently he's getting a discount on <laughs> um, marketing services. Um, so mm. Madeline, Kate Walsh, um, is like, that's weird. Why don't you charge him more? Mm. Sylvia's like, never mind. Yeah, uh, she's been getting her own services back, hasn't she? That's why it's been not been charged the full amount. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, so there's some tension there about. Oh, I actually forgot about this. Do you remember there was a perfume event and they were making their own perfumes? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, gen- I gen- until now I did not remember that at all um but there's just i think it's that's the first signs of the french pushback again or the second round of the french pushback against the americans Mm. Um, they're not happy to do things their way and uh it ends off with i think emily lying to alfie about being just friends with gabrielle um alfie after having met gabrielle is like oh okay there's obviously something between the two of you yeah she's like no 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 (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> silly english boy you don't know what you're talking about yeah yeah i just and i think it's i don't know it's so weird that her first impulse is to lie about everything because i think it would be fine to say to someone you started dating oh yeah i slept with him once three months ago but he's my neighbor so we're just friends i think he wouldn't be sh- i think alfie wouldn't have been shocked to hear that they're adults it's it's okay mm. um but emily just so determined to i guess hide the fact hide her involvement hide the fact that she was involved in any of this that she had a role like um she's a three-dimensional Ford character you can't expect too much from her 
She's got to learn and grow, you know? <laughs> That's true, yeah. I'm expecting a lot of growth during season four. <laughs> I was going to say, when, do, when does she get to growing? <laughs> yeah. Um, and so things end. There's, uh, what is it? So Gregory, who we met earlier on in the show, mm. um, who is the rival fashion designer, mm. Uh, he fires his marketing team and is, which is recorded and is on the news, I believe. Yeah, that, <laughs> is, that's always big news in, in the world yeah. of. Yeah, Paris. I follow I follow the marketing team hirings and firings, like some people follow the football. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, Kate Walsh immediately says we should get him on board as a client. Um, the company Savoie kind of objects and is like, "Oh no, we have." We do have his arch nemesis as a client already. We mm. can't do that. And she's like, you can have more than two designers at a time. It's fine, which I do agree with. I think they presented that as Kate Walsh being a bit unreasonable, but I think you can have two different clients and you just manage the conflict of interest mm-hmm. or manage any conflicts. Don't put them on, don't give them the same marketing campaign, <laughs> for example. Mm. Um, yeah, so- it's a very weird way of thinking about it. You can only have one perfume. One leak farmer, like us. Yes, honestly. Yeah. One bad champagne. <laughs> you can't. You could never ever market like any other champagne producer. Yeah. You couldn't, like for example, market a good champagne. No, you've already done done one bad one. So You're committed. Yeah. Um, but there's some. So they he does eventually get won over by Emily, who tracks him down at a gay bar. I believe that was. Mm. Um. They put he puts together a line of shapewear, uh, seemingly immediately. I don't know if that's a realistic um, kind of expectation for a designer to put together an entire fashion show, which I assume therefore he is then launching his like uh, what's it called the the not couture ones, the like the actual clothes he's going to sell. Like I, I feel like that takes more time than like two days. To have all of that ready, um, that's no, maybe maybe we, listen, maybe I'm being unrealistic. <laughs> I think we worked Emily's schedule in this world, so that's true. Mm. Where a day can just last about a week, mm-hmm. a month is about a day. Um, <laughs> nothing makes sense. Yes, but he puts together this show. Pierre, the rival designer, turns up and it's like, oh, they're kind of almost friends, or they're not fighting. And it's like, oh, this is beautiful. They've made it work. Um, but actually, both of them decide to quit Savoir and go off because Sylvie is starting her own business. So mm, everyone on the staff except for Emily quits. It's the big bombshell, isn't it, that, that yeah. ends the season? How um, do we feel? I guess I don't know. I don't know why if... So Sylvie's able to do this because she sells her portion of the restaurant that her hus- she and her husband own. She sells her portion to her husband. So then mm. with that money, she's going to start her own marketing firm and presumably continue to do the exact same things and therefore not be profitable. So I don't really understand. <laughs> I mean, you picked that, that she would start her own, her own firm. Yeah. Mm. But I, yeah, I just thought it was so weird how it all played out and that everyone on the staff quit, which I assume is includes like admins and graphic designers that are all in the background, but don't have sexy, weird lives. Well, yeah. Once they all left, it was just Emily in the office. 
Emily yes. and Kate Walsh. So. And Kate Walsh is like, well, I guess that's fine. We'll just hire everyone again. We'll mold them in my image like I molded mm. you, Emily. Yeah. And Emily starts to realize she doesn't want to be um, like Kate Walsh. Um, she wants to be a so, French. Yes, she wants to be a French. So um, eventually Sylvie and Julian and Luke, they all meet with Emily and say, actually, we would like you to come with us. We just didn't tell you ahead of time. So you'd feel really embarrassed and betrayed. Yeah. And we know it's the season finale. We need to have yeah. <laughs> sort of cliffhanger for next one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We've really got to start to set up some plot lines for the next two seasons. Yeah. Um, seeing as you haven't <laughs> had five love interests like you did in the last season, which I'm not shaming her for. It was just very rapid. Um, it was, yeah. The way the, the way the show treated them as well, mm. too. Mm. Um, part of, in the background of this, um, Gabri- she again flirts with Gabrielle. She's always going and finding Gabrielle and flirting and then saying, no, 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 we should never actually speak to each other again. But I am going to come into your workplace and ask you to make 80 cakes and take them to Versailles um, tomorrow or something. Mm. <laughs> um, something unreasonable, which he is happy to do. Is, I guess he, he's is he a pastry, a pastry chef? Yeah, yeah I did wonder. <laughs> because he doesn't seem to be a pastry chef. But maybe well, I said to- this to both of you and you're both like, it's a cake. How hard can it be? So don't come hold, around now to the listeners being like he's not a pastry chef. <laughs> I hold these two thoughts in my mind. This is this is my Hegelian dialectic. Um, Inside everyone, there are there are two cakes, <laughs> and they are both very easy to make and very difficult to make. Yes, yes, <laughs> I believe that. Yeah, I. It is just again, it's just unreasonable. And why would he take time out? He has to still run his restaurant. Why would he take the time yeah. out of his day to say, well, it's because he's in love with Emily. Listen, yeah, we course. know why. And she knows that as well. Like, that's why she's mm-hmm. asking. She has to know. Does she have? Does he have the kitchen ability, though, as well? Like, the actual, like the ovens, for example, to make all this stuff? Mm-hmm. I guess he does in the end, but I don't know. That's a consideration that I'm not sure she really took into mean? account. He's a chef. He has his own restaurant. Are you saying he doesn't have an oven? No, like just for the amount of cakes he had to make in that short time period oh it would take forever it yeah. would take like all night yeah yeah, yeah. that's what i'm getting at. i actually thought they might have been like more of a cupcake thing i'm assuming if there are 80 okay. attendees they wouldn't all take a cake home but um okay. cupcake sounds very american so i wonder if they were like no it's mm. a small cake mm. <laughs> um which can be french then yes. um in the background also alfie has decided to stay in paris because or he's He'd stayed in Paris for a lot longer than he'd needed to when he was making Brexit happen or something. Yeah, as a banker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he wants to be in a long distance relationship with Emily, um, which she is conflicted about because she is so clearly, um, I guess, in love with Gabriel. Um, and also Mindy performs another song at a club and gets back with the um, fellow busker that she'd been dating. And okay. it's fine. Okay, here's my thing about Mindy, right? Okay. She starts off the season and she's performing in the drag club, which is really cool. Like, that's a pretty good achievement, right? Yeah. Even if she's also the person who is in the bathroom. I'm happy to come back to the Madame Pee Pee. Yeah, thank you. Then she goes busking, right, which is perhaps a step down from an actual gig in a club. But, you know, why not? Busking is totally fine as well. And they're, they're sort of making things happen. And then it comes around in her big sort of climax culmination a big achievement is just seeing again in a restaurant to which to me 
kind of feels again like a step down from where she was at the very beginning of the show. What was your take on that, Erica, Sinead, anyone? Uh, yeah, well, I agree that it's a very weird trajectory. I think part of it is that she doesn't have a, the appropriate work visa, but mm. I don't know why she couldn't apply for it because she quits her nanny job, but I assume she was there on an appropriate visa to be a nanny. So I don't. Oh, know I why. thought she was getting paid cash in hand to be a nanny. Oh, I always okay. assumed she was working illegally, but maybe I just read too much into that. Maybe, maybe not. But then I think that she would have the ability to just say, well, I'm going to work in this club. Will mm-hmm. you sponsor me? I have a unique voice, so therefore will you sponsor mm-hmm. my visa or something? Yeah. Um, I don't know why they did that, but that was that was the, the bathroom, um, working in the bathroom thing that Lonnie mentioned was that because she couldn't work officially as like an hour, hourly worker or um, as a, get, receiving a salary at the drag club, she could only work for tips and therefore mm. she was sitting outside the bathroom giving people like mints and I don't know, paper towels. <laughs> um, and they call that role Madame PP, which I think was just an awful thing they needed. They added to the show for no reason. Um, it just, I feel like a lot of Mindy's story just added nothing. It was, I don't know, it feels like a way to promote the the actress. To say, yeah. Listen, she sings. And she's a... She's a fine actress, but, yeah, all her storylines, those didn't really feel for much, to be honest. No. Lonnie, I think you had – oh, sorry, Eric. I was going to say Lonnie had the the greatest zinger. You said it was Emily in Paris, not Mindy in Paris. It's true. Am I wrong? No. No, you're not wrong. (laughs) And I just – I just – I feel like it's almost wasting her a little bit too because it was just a series of her going to different places and singing – and she's very down on this last um, performance at a restaurant because mm. it's a, a dinner club. Mm. Um, but everyone loved her. It's fine. I bet yeah. you probably paid a solid normal wage just to sing. I don't know. Odd stuff. Very, very, very weird. Um, so that takes us through all of the plot. Are there any things that you would like to come back to in particular? Any horrifying moments that stand out for you? Hmm. Well, I'm glad you went over that, Eric, because I've forgotten a lot of that because that was sort of a wash over you when you just binge it all in one go. Yeah. Um, I guess my, my main question is, both of you, is what happens next? What, what are our thoughts for the next season? Um, I reckon she's going to go back to Chicago for like an episode or two, potentially get back with her ex, potentially find a new beau, and then realise that her heart belongs to Paris and... And Gabriel? Head back to be with Sylvie's firm. Yeah. I think they're going to be even cheaper about that because the way that I think these shows are written, I don't know if it's a Darren Star thing. It might be. It's that they they breeze over a lot of these, like, jokes or plot points. Like, they never really let tension build too much. So I think it'll open with her in Chicago and you think, oh, has she moved back? But actually she's just packing up her stuff and she's back in Paris within, mm. like, two minutes. I think that's going to open. Could be, yeah. <laughs> but it, it definitely has to lead to her coming back to Paris, not yeah. Emily in Chicago. Exactly. I I think Alfie might – he's not going to be around forever, obviously, but maybe an episode or two. No. No. <laughs> Get him out of here. I hate him. <laughs> he's so mean to her. Yeah. Oh, one thing you forgot there, Erica, is that Camille and Gabriel are back together. Oh, yes. That's season's end. That was the crucial moment. Just I can't Mm. believe I forgot that. Just as, um, so because 
Sylvie kind of cracked Emily's world open and said, listen, you need to do what you've got to do. Um, if there's something you want, you have to do it. Um, so she runs to see Gabriel, knocks on his door, says, listen, I'm in love with you. I'm ready to go. And Camille's moved in. Camille. I mean, she was wronged, but she's sort of taking her revenge out and she's hurting Emily when Emily spent, you know, most of the season trying to save her feelings. Mm-hmm. It's tough. I think that doesn't matter though because I think that Emily trying to save her feelings made things worse for everyone because, again, she was doing this with this naive idea that Gabriel would never mention it and that Emily would also be able to just suppress her feelings for Gabriel and get over things. And she'd sort of get away with it, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a – I'm sure maybe some of the reviews you've read, Lonnie, Hmm. have maybe drawn the comparison to she's just able to fix everything and she just can't fix this. Yeah. Because she just she smiles and stumbles her way through and it all works out and this one just doesn't work out for her. Exactly. She normally falls on her feet, but this one, what she has to do is own up to her actions and, yeah, if she told Camille from the get-go, hey, really awkward, but this is what happened and stepping out because she didn't do anything really that wrong, you know, in her actions because he was, they were broken up and he was about to leave and she was like, you know, we love each other, we like each other, let's do this one time. She didn't go out of her way to stab Camille in the back, but then she kind of did it through interaction. Yeah, in I end. think that's much worse that she yeah, went to all yeah. this effort to conceal what she was doing and then was found out so dramatically. At any stage she could have said, listen, I'm, I'm sorry, I realise that you're not going to want to talk to me for a while or ever, but this mm. happened. But she was just completely unwilling to... Um, to have that conversation, to do the hard work. Totally. And then arguably she actually ends up hurting herself and Gabriel in the same way because, yeah, if you just lay it all out on the, on the table and talk about it, you know, that's that's not where you get drama for 10 episodes of a TV show. I understand that. But mm. that is probably the more, the more adult way to deal with a scenario. Be true to yourself as much as other people. Yeah. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. We're all... This is all ignoring the fact, too, that I genuinely thought what the show was setting up for in season one was for them to be in some kind of, I don't know, triad together, a throuple. There was so much in season one where she she inadvertently kissed Camille early mm. on. There was some very romantic scenes at a museum with light dancing over them. Mm-hmm. I really thought this was going to be, I don't know, Emily's 
sexuality awakening. Um, but no, and, and that was further, um, I don't know, I took it as evidence, but I feel foolish now that in the early episodes of the season, she wore a lot of rainbows. And I was like, oh, that's, yeah, that's underpinning <laughs> what's going to happen. She's obviously going to have like a bisexuality awakening, but I guess she just liked a lot of rainbows. Do you, do you think all that stuff was queer baiting, Erica? I don't think it's maybe as far as queer baiting. I think in other shows where that's a, um, that kind of accusation has been alleged, that there's a lot more, mm, um, sure. a lot more that goes into it and it's a lot more sustained. I think maybe even just being shorter seasons and, um, dedicating so much time to other characters such as full-length songs being sung by Mindy every episode um <laughs> it just doesn't let it um it doesn't like have leave time for all the queer baiting to stack up and hmm. like it doesn't I think maybe in like a teen wolf or a supernatural I think those are the ones the go-to um hmm. queer baiting shows but it's I thought it was odd I thought it was odd to lay all that gra- groundwork and then for them to end in this weird position where everyone's trust has been broken too. So mm. if, if that might be the end game, which I'd like to still believe could happen, I think it would be incredible for um, Emily and Camille and Gabriel to get past all of their issues and end up together. If that's what makes sense for the show, makes sense for the characters. Well, I think the issue is Gabriel is forgotten. Camille, he's all about Emily. Yes. So I think we could, they might be have moved past that, but that yeah. could have been a more interesting turn of events. Yes, a mm. lot of things could, and that's just one of the many things I would love to change about the show. <laughs> <laughs> You're actually pretty good writing this, show, Erica. Often things happen, and Erica has already predicted it a few minutes beforehand. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressive. It's very, very satisfying, and I think that's a big part of the enjoyment of this show for me is that it's not that it's not that it's good. It's not that I enjoy the storylines. But I love watching it and thinking about other ways that you could improve it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like the 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 steel in which we can hone our blades <laughs> as writers. I'm not a writer of anything that you guys write, but I write emails sometimes. So Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, I think that that's, that's the enjoyment for me is just it's it's one of those like classic so bad it's good shows. You just want to yell at it. Yeah, well, that's the eternal question is what is good, what is taste, what is quality? And if you enjoy something, do you have to worry about those questions? Or like guilty pleasure, you know? I've got an article here that I sent to both of you as a signed reading before the, today's podcast. The headline, headline was a signed reading, I want yeah. to say. <laughs> the headline was, yeah. <laughs> Emily in Paris is the last guilty pleasure from the Atlantic. Um, that's true that people don't really talk about guilty pleasures anymore because I guess the idea in society and pop culture is that if you derive enjoyment from it, from pleasure from it, you shouldn't be guilty about that. Or if it is something that you feel guilty about, maybe it shouldn't be pleasurable, I guess is the two sides of the coin there. Um, Yeah, Emily Paris is a sort of show that it can just wash over you. It is just a fun afternoon, rainy afternoon. You put it on and it just happens. And it is a little bit more about the fashion than sophisticated plotting and whatnot what are, what are your thoughts on that today is there such a thing as quality is well, emily in paris quality no the article makes a point of saying that the show succeeds because of its lack of tension and that mm. it's never aiming to have tension and instead it's it's aiming to have this very predictable safe comforting narrative um and it also makes sort of 
some strong points about why we shouldn't use the term guilty pleasure anymore and that mm. it's steeped with prejudice and it's only ever applied to lowbrow things mm. and we should feel guilty about spending our time like that because we could be watching something more interesting or thought-provoking or we mm. have to be productive all the time. Mm. Um, with regards to the ending, I was completely on board with Erica. I thought they were hinting at a menage a trois the whole time and I was actually quite pleased to see that, like I was looking forward to seeing it because I mm. thought, oh, here's a chance you know, for a really progressive American Netflix show to do something a bit different and they didn't. And I'm really disappointed by that because not many shows could, I don't want to say get away with it, but like it actually would have fit in the narrative of this show. It would have fit with the characters Mm. and it's almost landed in their lap and we're like, do it, like take, take the bait. And they just didn't. And I don't know whether that's just, they didn't want to write that show or whether it's not commercially viable to make a show like that. I hope it's the former rather than the latter. But the big issue I had with the ending is that they end up in exactly the same place they were at the end of season one. Pretty much. Like Camille and and Gabriella together. Cool. Yeah. So we're right back to the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I think there's still room for that to maybe happen and maybe we should start the campaign to get the Menage en Trois happening on this show. Yes, please. <laughs> I think this show, the question I had to Erica about queer baiting is I don't think the show is intelligent enough to queer bait, if you know what I mean. Like yeah. it's not as engaged as a like a supernatural would be with the fans and whatnot. And that's not intelligent maybe is the wrong word there, but like I don't think they're they're as involved in that style of filmmaking I think they're pretty much just showing a fun show, you know. Yeah. yeah. I think that for some of the shows where that's alleged, it's it's purposeful, it's to drive engagement, it's cunning. Whereas I think this show, they've either accidentally done it or they've accidentally mm. implied and left these breadcrumbs or they intended to do it and just forgot about it. Possibly because, that. Like, like so many storylines are forgotten about. Yes. Yes, I don't think it's like Stephen Moffat putting in gay things into Sherlock to either mock or to excite the fans i think it yeah is happenstance more than anything else yeah right. i read an interesting tweet the other day and that's pretty much how our conversations go as a as a group is just yeah tweet, that's tweet. communication <laughs> here's a tweet um the tweet was about screenwriting and, and filmmaking and it was like i think along the lines of I mean, people in real life they have jobs and relationships and exams and and the people in life was sick and whatnot and so when, you, when they want to watch something, they want to be taken away from all their all the shit that happens in life and that's why you need to give them things like mystery to solve or characters who are, you know, going through a tense scenario so you think, forget about the rest of the world. Again, it was probably more of a succinctly written than, than my explanation. That was the point of the tweet, yeah. right? This show, it's kind of a slap in the face to that style of writing, isn't it? Because nothing that really happens is that dramatic to draw you in. But it's almost like because it is the stakes are so low and it's just about the fashion and she has the croissant every day and has a cup of coffee at the cafe and stuff, like it's almost like it's almost like slow TV or it's just because the stakes are so low, you get drawn into the world that way rather than being, you know, sort of taken by the lapels and thrown into a intense scenario. Am I not something there at all? I think so, as a as a non screenwriter. <laughs> but I think <laughs> that um I think that maybe not so much as a slow TV, but I honestly think that some of these shows are made to be able to follow while someone's second screening, while they're also totally. scrolling on their phone. Yeah. 
and this is a perfect kind of show to scroll on your phone because mm. um, the storylines are never that intense. They all wrap up kind of within the show, within yeah. the episode or it's wrapped up within the first five minutes of the next episode. Yeah. No, there, are, like, there are stakes and, like, she does have to, like, the client's upset and she's going to go fix up the crisis, but we're never like, oh, she's going to lose her job or be sent home to Chicago or no one's ever going to be in life or death danger in this show. But yeah, that's totally right, Erica. It is a show you can do while you're second screening or um, working, perhaps. People work from home and watch TV at the same time or doing the ironing, that sort of thing. Like, that's not how I watch TV shows, but I know it does occur out in the world. Yes, and I think the reason we're able to talk so much about it is because we watched it without playing on our phones. We watched it mm-hmm. all together, watching it in one go. Um, and I think that there's a lot of detail that would be just glossed over not required Um, watching really no i've got some reviews here maybe want to go through a couple if that's okay with you too yeah sure um so this one is from forbes they're not very happy about it and they talk a little bit about season um one its reception um it was panned obviously but i think it's you know it can be a pan show by the critics, but also it's like number two in Australia at the moment, Netflix apparently. So, you know, again, what is quality and what are reviews these days? Um, it has sort of indirectly led to the Golden Globes being sort of cancelled slash not important anymore, which is kind of interesting. Um, yeah. But, yes, they, they weren't very happy with Alfie either. And do you, do you guys think Alfie was maybe putting into this show as like an audience surrogate in that sense? Because they got a quote here from Alfie, a British expat who described her as obsessed with her work, no fun, and wearing funny clothes. Emily is still ringard even to a British expat. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that to some extent. I think that he's meant to be the outside, the cynic, but she, but she wins them over. So I guess they're that's yeah. the marketing and that's the crafting of the show to be like, oh no, actually, actually, it's good that she works all the time and wears terrible clothes and is no fun. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> uh, there's a quote here from, from the Forbes article. It says, everything that happened in this second season feels like a movie or series that could have been made 10, 20 or more years ago. There is nothing surprising about what happens between Emily and Gabrielle, Camille and then Alfie. Every dialogue is predictable. I found myself perpetually knowing what would be said, or what would be happening. Even the supposed big twist at the end was no surprise, which we agree with. But again, is that kind of the point that we you long for the ride? Because they go on to say, it's not to say that Emily in Paris season two isn't entertaining. The series continues to be one that can be enjoyably binged. Mm. It is a great series to help you dream about an idealized trip trip to Paris. Um, but then they also say there's probably better shows that do that as well. But, you know, I do wonder maybe a part of the appeal on this show recently is that travel worldwide hasn't been as as possible yeah so just even the idea of oh what if i could live overseas yes is kind of appealing yes it's it doesn't show too much of paris which i'm i mean that's not i'm not going to go line by line and critique a critique but Mm. um they i think in the first season they leaned into that a bit more when they were also showing more of her um allegedly very popular instagram Um, (laughs) yes whereas i think they kind of softened on that a bit even I think there wasn't as much I think even in the b-roll like just all the like yeah. the, the bits and pieces in between um scenes I think there wasn't as much of showing off beautiful Paris as there 
Yeah, because of COVID consequence, maybe the filming was affected by it could well by be. that, perhaps. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That they built up, you know, her big influencer profile in season one, and kind of had that she was mm. going to be, you know, an influencer in Paris, and then they just kind of left that in season two, which was a bit disappointing. It didn't really play a part at all. Hmm. Now I've got some reviews here from the punter on the street. Okay. In other words, the Rotten Tomatoes viewer user comments. This is a more of a more of our sort of scene, I think. Um, Drew D. He wrote one star, drastically worse than the first season. I'd okay what happened. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in some ways, I agree with Drew, but also, is it drastically worse? Like, it's not great, but I don't think it's that worse or better than season one. Really, much the same. I would have thought. Mm. Um, this one, ooh, Erica G. That could be like you and I, Erica, if we like combine somehow. <laughs> um, but not their comment though is not what we would say. No. Half a star, only half. I was forced to watch it. Could feel my brain cells dying one after the other. This show is just abomination. Emily in Paris is the abom- abomination that tries to be funny, dumb, and cheesy but only succeeds in being abhorrent. I think listening to these reviews is actually, it's it's triggering some kind of contrarian instinct in my brain. And I'm like, no, actually, it's very good. It, it does succeed at being dumb and cheesy and bad. How dare you? This is this is actually very high art. Uh, I just, my brain cells were fully engaged. I know. That, that's been me the last two years, Eric. I just... Everyone says she got this show, but I want to defend it somehow. <laughs> um, this person, again, Sophie S, is another half starer. I'll get some good stars, don't, don't worry. But um, Sophie S said, I'm American and I don't recommend it. Don't compare it with Sex in the City. It's not even a cheap copy. It's just hateful, boring show with placed paid hate. Don't know what that means. Absol- absolutely unacceptable and not funny at all. Netflix. Remove lie and hate from this show. Lie and hate? Yeah. Remove lie and hate. I like that. I'm going to put that on a T-shirt. Remove <laughs> lie and hate. I think they should remove the lying because Emily loves to lie. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, well, true. too. That's a good point. I wonder if it's – I wonder if maybe – listen, I, I know nothing about Sophie, this um, person on Rotten Tomatoes, so I've never heard her review until the second. But I wonder if that's a bit – about the way that Americans are treated. I wonder if, um, uh, yeah. like, because Kate Walsh comes in and she's just so yeah, mean. different and mean mm. and just clueless. I wonder if it's kind of actually protesting against the portrayal of how Americans are um, in the show, against the mm. sophisticated, liberated French. But also they might just be, I don't know, a person with an internet connection who decided that the fact that... <laughs> I don't know. I can't imagine where the lies and hate are, where the hate is. No, I think it's a fair enough point, Eric. A lot of the commentary seems to be about how the cliches and stereotypes are on the French side, but I think it kind of goes both ways. It's a two-way street that all those cliches and stereotypes in this show. And I think that maybe any Americans might be more sensitive to that. For us, it's just like most of my portrayal of Americans comes from TV or movies. Um, That just kind of tracks in a way. Whereas if you lived there and you lived in Chicago, if you were fighting the Batman on the daily, um, <laughs> um, then you might you might think, listen, we're not all like that. 
I would go, I would, I, for example, would learn French before I went to France. Yes. Um, what a novel concept. <laughs> now, this one here is a sort of, it's a two and a half star view. So it's some good things, some bad things. Um, it begins from Diana D. She says, here we are with Emily in Paris. And girl, I mean, make a decision. Either you stay with Gabriel or not. And then that's a fair enough way to start a review, I think. Um, goes on to have a few more, like, some comments about the cliches and not so good stuff, but ends on a positive note. Anyway, I give a big fat yes to food and fashion, especially the last one. Seeing all these colourful and original outfits was a pleasure for my eyes. <laughs> and keep, Sorry? Keep this, oh, wait, no, wait, wait until I finish your sentence. <laughs> Seeing all these colourful and original outfits was a pleasure for my eyes, even if I did not know anything about fashion. So oh, okay, that kind of maybe is. explains that comment. <laughs> It's, pleasure it's, for your eyes is I would not use that combination to describe the fashion in this show. <laughs> it's certainly a lot. Like if you're just wanting, if you take it down to like a really basic level and you think that you, you have this beautiful technology in your head, the eye that evolution <laughs> has given you, you want to overwhelm it with as much content and colour as possible. You look at Emily, she's got every colour on her. She's yeah. got every texture, um, every fabric. I, I, I understand that. Listen, oh my gosh, this contrarian instinct. <laughs> I don't know what's happened to me. Well, maybe we should finish off this very positive review, which is kind of the opposite of everything we've come across so far. Okay. It's from Karinsky O. They've said, five stars. In the middle of the pandemic comes a sweet little diversion, the kind where you know by the end of this title sequence that the worst thing that can happen is a torn stocking. And it's served up like a tray of French pastries with an assortment of delicious high-production value locales and fashions. Isn't that what the world, isn't that what we need right now? We're weary. We're heading into our fifth coronavirus wave, and that's after four years of Trump. So there you go. Emily in Paris is a cure to Trumpism. That's me saying that, not, yeah. not the person. The cure to populism as yeah. a concept. It's going to usher in a new, a new world. <laughs> A lot, a lot of this show's enjoyment comes from buying into it, right? Hmm. Like if you go in going, it's going to be silly. People are going to make irrational decisions. I'm not going to understand certain things. I think with the fashion, I agree, an assault on the senses. I think people often misconstrue a lot with good. It's like there's a lot of fashion. <laughs> I just don't know if it's good. Yeah. Um, I think I saw a tweet the other day that was referring to Lady Gaga's acting in House of Gucci, saying that she is she's not the best actor, but she's the most actor. And I think <laughs> same case here with fashion. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. Um, it's also, I guess, it's kind of how you come to a show and what, what you're expecting of it, and mm. how good it is at being that sort of show. Like, if you wanted to make a sort of glossy. Uh, vapid show just you know about fashion and people being silly and escapism for an hour and well is it 10 episodes of 30 minutes each like this is five star in that sort of sense mm. so that idea of quality is a really nebulous term isn't it yeah i think that i don't know why i guess i've watched a couple of darren star shows now I watch all of Younger. I'm one of two people I know who has watched Younger. Um, <laughs> I watched I just, the first two episodes of Younger, but I couldn't get much further. No. I, I, I'll i do a lot to watch. Um, oh, I've got Sutton Foster. 
Sutton Foster mm. is incredible. Um, and every time I see her on screen and younger, I just think of her dancing to anyway, um, anything goes. She was on, um, Broadway. She's incredible. It's like an eight minute dance sequence, um, that she sings and dances through. Um, I mean, so Eric, you can just watch that, Eric. You don't have to watch the whole show. You can... Listen, well, now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know why they do wrap themselves up in a lot of pointless drama. And I think that if they were wanting, it's, but it doesn't, there's not a lot of payoff. So I don't know why, like, you could just make a show where everything's a bit, a bit glossier or mm. the drama's more heightened. But there's a lot of just, I, I keep using the phrase throwaway, and that really what's, what's comes to mind it's that there's a bit of attention oh but it's fine there's oh there's yeah. a reviewer that's not going to get their dinner in time at gabriel's fancy restaurant opening and people are loud and dancing and she gets something spilled on her oh it's fine you're totally right eric we, we've defended this show as being you know it's okay that bad shows and just escape into sort of fluff every now and then but also, it wouldn't take that much to make this show so much better and more engaging. So, yeah, yeah we're being a bit too nice for it. Yeah. <laughs> but um, no, I'm happy overall um, with the experience. My my the tease up front about the gloves. I found out um, by the way some hot gossip. Ooh. It's the designer. Um, so I guess the costume designer released mm-hmm. a collection of fingerless gloves after oh. the season dropped. I so read I this too. Why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was um, just some, some promotion slotted into the show. <laughs> yeah. It just feels like, I don't know. I, I think that was something I might have seen online about just even that the show as a vehicle in itself feels like a marketing exercise. Mm. But the, 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 the periphery of it, the external marketing is actually more than we really even got this season because in the first season, at least, there was a bit more of the mechanics of marketing. Yeah. And she loved marketing as a concept, whereas here it was more. I thought I was on this um, client. I thought I was on this yeah. account, but you're off that account. I'm going to be on this one now. No, you're off that one. It just it was swapping back and forth instead of seeing any of the work that goes into marketing. Totally. Like, yeah. And like at the end of the drop of a hat, she can go off and have lunch with Camille, or was like just no consequences for a job, really. Hey. No. Mm. I just would like to see a little bit more. And there were so many things that they started. There were a few interesting threads that they had throughout the show about the the leak couple we mentioned, which is a, mm. two farmers who are wanting to market leaks, I think, due to overproduction. And she pitches them as le leak c'est chic, as in a marketing campaign for the US. <laughs> and then they say, um, then Sylvie wanders in and says, oh, um, French women drink leak soup yeah. or boiled leeks in water. I don't think it was even a soup um, in order to lose weight. And Emily's a bit against that, but then we just never hear from them again. Mm. Um, it's similar to, um, I think, in the fir- in the first season when they had the, the perfume ad with Antoine, um, who is connected to everyone in every way, um, which was, uh, I think, a naked woman being admired by men. And Emily was quite against that, thinking it was sexist. And then they decided to run with the campaign being like, is this sexy or sexist? But there was no outcome. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm, I'm with you, Erica, because I, th- I like that. Like the show's about a marketing firm. Let's show some marketing. Like, why not? Yeah. And I don't know why they, even in um, Younger, which is about um, book publishing, they at least show a bit more of the machinations of it mm. and talk about like what's a quality book and the dramas of signing people. Um, 
So I don't know why they shy away from it in mm. this in this show. Similar to they start to there's a very brief subplot where they have to market a Pelotech, not a Peloton. Mm. A Pelotech, mm. a fancy um fancy oh what are they called? The bicycle bicycle. Yeah. yeah. Um and Sylvie is very against it, saying, no, French women don't like this. This is American. You could just go and cycle along the river. Um, and they she just they drop them as a client, but then she takes home the free bike. So wh- why was it a ploy for Sylvie to get this bike? What was the point of any of that, aside from to show off her very fancy apartment? I thought it sort of showed Sylvie as flawed, like I thought, Emily, from her perspective, held Sylvie up as the ideal of the French woman, right, and everything that she wished she could be, and then finding out that, oh, she's just as, she lies just as often and, you know, it's just as inconsistent in her decision-making as Emily is sometimes, maybe. That's a, that's, I like that. That's actually, yeah, an interesting take I hadn't thought of. Um, It's been good if the show made that a bit more directly or overtly. Yeah, it was just dropped at the end of the episode where she Mm. had the bike in her house Mm. um but i don't know i think they were trying to find ways in to show more of sylvie's life because there's the um a few more storylines about her husband and then dating the younger photographer but i just think yeah they could have demonstrated in different ways shown more to her character and Mm. opened her up a bit more in ways that weren't so opaque the show really expanded this season into a lot of the supporting cast and I don't think for the better. I think every time we were focusing on Mindy or Camille or Sylvie, we just wanted to get back to Emily. We want to know what she's doing. Yes. Um, I had a couple of logic police points to throw at you guys. Oh, I'm so excited. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things is that I don't really understand why Sylvie offers her a job at the end in her own marketing firm. The entire two seasons, Sylvie has said how much she hates her, Emily that is, Mm. and she doesn't agree with any of her marketing campaigns and she thinks that she's crap at her job and has come in here being all American, highfalutin and come and tried to overrule the French on their own soil. But then why does she hire her? I think it's because of the two designers. I think Pierre likes her because she's so tacky. And Gregory likes her, I guess, just because she tried to get him on board and that she, I don't know, tracked him down, that she he maybe feels like he owes her something after he kind of got her in trouble by pretending to be friends with Pierre when actually they're enemies. Maybe he's, she's the only other American person in Paris at the moment as well, too. <laughs> um, but I think, I think that was kind of what the show was implying. Um, mm. But... I think that Sylvie could have also equally just cut ties with Emily altogether. I think that Sylvie has kind of been playing up how much she dislikes her deep down or not very deep down. She does like her. She came to a birthday party, for example, and I think... That's true. Yeah, I I think it might have been nice for maybe one or two scenes where we can see their relationship thawing a bit, but they kind of revert back to, oh, Emily, you're so awful and we're so French and superior to you but I, I i would like to think that maybe at least a few people in the firm have realized that okay emily she can be a bit annoying at first but you know she's the only reason we've had any success the last few months mm. is because you know 
somehow she's got that golden touch where things work out for her. But maybe that's just yeah. me thinking up things. Maybe that wasn't very dramatized very well. Yeah, I think there was more of that, more showing her successes in the first season. I think this mm. one we didn't have as much because it just continued on with some of the clients, like the Champer and Champer, yeah. <laughs> that most American French pronunciation, <laughs> um, and the the perfume. So I think we kind of had space to forget that she was quite good at some of this in the first well, season. Well, I think it was more balanced in the first season. I think in this season there was much more about her, her three-way love triangle and so we lost a lot of her at work. So maybe that's part of the issue there. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. All right. The other thing I wanted to raise is I don't understand why Kate Walsh is back. Mm. And I love Kate Walsh ever since Grey's. No, ever since Under the Tuscan Sun. <laughs> I'm an all-time fan of her. Okay. But they essentially wrote her out of the show in season one. They're like, oh, Kate had a prior contract or something. She could only be with us for one Zoom session. Well, she was a cameo more than so, wasn't she, in season one? And now she's here and she's managed to fly over almost nine months pregnant. Not, um, what? So weird. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was so weird. And seeing as she didn't really do anything that I think needed her to be in person, I don't know why it'll happen like that. I feel like she could have had the room to say, as the owner of your company, Sylvie, you should clear your calendar. I want a week of meetings with you and your staff to figure out why you're losing money. Mm -hmm. I think that she didn't have to actually fly there, especially when she is so pregnant. So I wonder what that's setting up then. Do you think that in the next season they're going to have her stay in Paris, so. have her child, and then be like rivals? That makes or do sense. Do you think that she'll just go home? <laughs> Well, why couldn't she have had the baby and then come over like the baby's, I don't know, six months old and now she's like made the move to Paris and then she's starting, the, starting it all up. I'm guessing because Emily has to deliver the baby or something in the car next season, like that's probably why <laughs> no. it's happening. <laughs> no, we've already had one scene where she's splattered with blood. I'm not having it, it, it was it was very weird. The whole setup is that you have to go to Paris because I'm pregnant, but then she's like, "Oh, by the way, I'm a preg I'm pregnant and in Paris now." Yeah, like I'm I'm all, I'm all having Kate Walsh being like a mentor slash rival. That's a kind of cool dynamic, but mm -hmm. it was just yeah set up very weirdly. Well, I guess they they for some reason they said no, you have to be in Paris for a year. So I guess she didn't want to have to give birth there. And also maybe in France they would have said you've just had a child. How about instead of coming back to work in two weeks, you take a year off? True, mm. yeah. They didn't want to have to come into conflict with mandatory pregnancy. The, um, the American. Leave. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I oh, I feel like I've cracked this open for myself. That's absolutely it, hey. Because if she was there, I'm sure Savoir, all of the people there would have been like, no, do not come into the office. <laughs> You're taking a year and we're going to pay you and you can't stop us. Not like in America where you got to pay like $40,000 to have the baby and then go back to work a week later. Yeah. Yeah. Bad place. <laughs> no wonder Emily wanted to leave. <laughs> she did not want to leave. <laughs> she loved being in Chicago with her, almost, with her boyfriend and catch The pizza. The yeah. The pizza. Um, the penguin. The bulls. <laughs> the big bean. <laughs> the beautiful bean. Um, all right. Any other logic police that we can absolutely dismantle for you? <laughs> well, <laughs> more of a complaint, really. And 
It was about the nudity in the scene where they go to the spa. Hmm. I agree. Give people a heads up if they're going to be nude in front of you. And also don't do that on their birthday. Like, that's a weird thing to do. However culturally appropriate it may be. Except that she's an outsider and that might be no- not be normal to her. Hmm. But I spoke about this in a... Um, I spoke about this a little bit in our episode on the French Dispatch, Mm. which I think will have come out by now. And which Eric and I saw together. Yes. Yes. Well, my comment with that is that there's nudity in that film, but only by the French women. And similarly in Emily in Paris, there's nudity here, but only with the French actresses. Lily Collins doesn't get her kid off, but Camille does, for example. And two points I wanted to make. One... Do you think like this season is so far dialed back from what season one was in terms of its sexiness? Like Emily has one fling with what's his name? Alfie. And it's not like that jaw drop jaw dropping. Do they kisses kisses um old mate chef once, wasn't she? That's bad. Yeah, but it's a bit like mm, it's a bit shoehorned in to me. It's mm. like, oh, we haven't had anything sexy. Let's just get some girls to take their tops off. But the other thing yeah. that I have an issue with is this expectation of French actresses that they will be fine with nudity because they're French and because all French films have nudity, so these women will be fine with nudity. And I just feel a little funny when there's that power dynamic of actresses in a show and the director is asking you or the writers are asking you to be nude and how much agency you feel like you have in that situation because they expect it of you to a certain extent. Like, Lily Collins obviously has enough star power to say, I'm not doing that, which, fine, fair enough. But I just, it made me feel icky. I don't have an issue with nudity per se. I just have the issue with consistently French women being the only actresses in a piece, in a TV show or movie or whatever it is, who are naked. What are your thoughts on that? That's interesting. I think that maybe ties into something we touched on earlier about how the French are always portrayed as so much more like sexual and liberated and mm-hmm. or like weirdly sexual, I think is the implication with some of them. <laughs> I don't I don't think that is, but I think that's what they're implying with some characters mm. like Luke, for example. Yes. Um Yeah, no, I think that kind of ties into that um expectation that the French are going to be okay with it. Or that's that's what happens there. So therefore you have to do that. But they also could have just not had that scene they could have gone to something where they're in swimsuits for example not actually been naked or well, you could have hinted at it like yeah, if it was like carefully angled things exactly. yeah it was very very i don't know it was i feel filmed from quite far back you could see multiple people yes mm. um, with their shirts off um in the scene so i don't know yeah i don't know why they did that and i i do wonder yeah I hope no one was pressured into it. I hope that maybe they were just fine with it. But it was mm. quite a deviation for just a Netflix show, I think, mm. to have just a scene of many um, topless women. I'm, I'm like you, Sam. I'm not always against nudity. I'm not like a prudish about this necessarily. But I kind of feel like maybe it's a bit like horror films where, like, leave things to the imagination. That's much more effective. Mm. Like, I don't want to see blood and gut necessarily, but sometimes, you know, seeing the the shadow of a knife, you know, being raised is much more exciting in the same way. Maybe it's more exciting to see, you know, or to just not necessarily exciting, but you, having the people there naked in the sauna, you don't have to see everything to make it an exciting scene. It's enough to have that scene without all that. Like you get the same impression basically. Yeah. I just didn't think it was necessary. And no. 
Eric is right. Like it's really blatantly on screen and that's sort of the only episode that does something like that. And so I'm just like, well, sorry, were you contractually obliged to show like seven nipples in your TV show? Like how is this? It just felt really unorganic, I think. And I know I don't want to sound weird about this, but it might have made more sense like if it was character-driven, like Emily turns up, she's really shy, she gets to talk to them, she maybe has a glass of wine and then she's like, you know what, I'm in France, I'm going to do this, and then takes the dress off or takes the robe off and like you can maybe justify it then in a character sense, but yeah. you're totally right. It just turns up, oh, by the way, we're naked now. Oh, okay, now scene's over, moving on. It felt yeah. pretty much as like it's there for the for the boyfriends or the dads watching, you know. Yeah, and it's also oh, because French women they're mm. so they love getting their clothes That's off. Like it just felt, yeah. yeah, it just felt a bit I don't know icky. So. I feel like there's a way that they could have shot that where again they could have been hinting at things and kind of more in Emily's head of her trying to like avoid yeah. looking at people's um, chests, for example, and things were kind of a lot more subtle. I feel like that could have easily been done. It would have, I guess, spoken more to her feeling repressed, I guess, in that way or not not feeling comfortable. I don't yeah. think it's repressed to not um, want to be naked with your friends and strangers. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I think she admit, I think she met most of them the first time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was very weird. I don't know if that's – I don't know enough about French culture, to, I admit, to know if that's a standard thing. But, um, yeah, I've, I spent a lot of time in Japan where I think um, – similar things happen like onsen for example and i wouldn't have been comfortable doing that and i would have been really horrified if someone dragged me to one and said no take your shirt off now <laughs> you yeah. have to get naked with me <laughs> and my and my friends who you have never met so yeah i mean i, I guess the, the thing there was that she's feeling awkward because she slept with gabriel and now she's here with gabriel's girlfriend and they're naked and like that's kind of it's awkward enough going to a birthday event thrown by your, you know, the girl you kind of in a love triangle with, and now she's naked. Like, that was kind of the idea, but... But she didn't make a comment about her body. There was no competitiveness about how they looked. It wasn't, like, again, hinting at the menage a trois thing. Yes. Like, it didn't have any... It wasn't like, oh, Camille's got her kid off and I don't mind that. Like, mm. it just wasn't... It's just there. ...addressed. It was just there, yeah. 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 Again, hmm. that could have been something where she's feeling um, yeah, insecure about uh, French women generally or a French, I don't know, approach to things and and thinking that maybe Camille and Gabrielle should get back together because of their sensibilities or something. Yeah. Not that I think Gabrielle's been shown to be um, liberated or approved or anything. Gabrielle's a bit of a blank slate, to be honest. He is. <laughs> we can project whatever we want on Gabrielle, can't we? Yes. Oh, that's the point, yeah. <laughs> he's handsome, let's face it. He's handsome, he stands on ladders, mm-hmm. he has an, has an omelette pan. It's true. Um, what more do you want? He has the most centrally located um, restaurant in all of he Paris. He really does. She can't go anywhere without walking past his restaurant. And he's always outside. He's always waiting for her. Why isn't he cooking? <laughs> it's like, it's service time. It's, yeah. You're supposed to like be prepping yeah, stuff right now. No, no, maybe no. he's the executive chef. Like no, Maybe. He's on top. So he doesn't actually, do any of the cooking. Yeah, the, the idea is that you just get to the point where you never have to cook anything again. So you can just lurk outside, staring at the lettering <laughs> of your restaurant and waiting for a girl who is also your neighbor. So why yeah. not just wait at home? Fair point. I think we also mentioned like we never see hardly anyone in his restaurant. 
Is it just him that's keeping the thing running? Like, he doesn't oh, have any staff. In the, in the kitchen, yeah. It's just pretty yeah. much him, yeah. There's someone shown briefly at the opening, but I think there would be more than one, one. person there it's to a, set up during the day. It's a fancy restaurant, too. Not like it's just, like, a tiny cafe or something. Okay. Not just doing, like, sandwiches. They're full-on cuisine, you know? Yeah, I just... I don't know. Look, I think if we start getting into the nitty-gritty, we'll be picking holes at this show for but yeah I think that I think that I agree that that was just a weird thing about the, the nudity to mm. me. I agree that that's agree. just a uncomfortable kind of aspect and not well portrayed mm. let me pivot to something that I liked about the show mm-hmm. and I'm interested to know if this stuck with either of you it was during the I think it was the setup for the birthday dinner and Camille and Gabrielle are sort of reintroduced to each other. Mm. Firstly, that was filmed beautifully. It was one long take for that whole sequence, which I thought was beautiful yes. choice. Mm. Um, but Camille and Gabrielle start talking to each other in French and they don't have subtitles and the camera just pans away from them. And I was so struck by that because for the first time I was like, oh, yeah, they're French. They would be talking to each other in French. They're all just talking in yes. English for Emily. Yeah. This actually makes sense in, in universe. That was good. And I just wish that the show had done that a bit more. Like get rid of the subtitles, have things in French, have her pick up on certain words, yes. engage with the language a bit more. Like it was such a nice little moment, I thought. Yeah, I really liked that. And I think that um, there are a few moments where I think they – hammered home how much everyone is having to, how much effort everyone is having to put in because she doesn't speak French mm. like, yeah. and Camille did use that briefly as a weapon against her mm-hmm. when she um, found out about the cheating when she turns up to a meeting at the marketing firm and says well I'm That's French, true. everyone's French, we're going to have this meeting in French but if <laughs> everyone's speaking in their second language while they're still living in France Yeah. so I don't think it's unrealistic I, I imagine there are probably some places where everyone does speak um, a second language, even if they're living in a country where their first language is spoken. But it's a lot of effort to go to for one person who no one seems to consistently like. It's true. It's true. <laughs> I think one thing we haven't really mentioned so far, we sort of glossed over it, is just how great Lily Collins is as Emily. Like, she's pretty much holding it all together. If we didn't have her and her likability, the rest of the show would not be watchable. And I think that is probably, we kind of said that with the other storylines not being as interesting as Emily's. Mm-hmm. I think that's true, but also it doesn't have Lily Collins in it to sort of hold it together, which is probably the magic that keeps the show from being unwatchable. Just a bit of, a bit of love for Lily Collins, guys. Yeah, I agree. I think that she's just really charming in it too. So I think if she was mm-hmm. any less charming and, I don't know, just lovely. She, she seems really lovely. Like the, I, I don't know. Despite Emily being a real pain, I guess <laughs> she's very maybe and lying all the time. She's very sincere. I guess in mm. some ways, and mm. she's like trying her best. Yeah, she's trying her best with one bad shoulder that she tries to consistently cover up in every <laughs> she, costume she wears. Seems she doesn't she? Yeah, strange. <laughs> um. Yeah. I don't know. Well, I think overall the show isn't as bad as people want it to be, mm. but also with just a few tweaks, it could be so much better. So it's kind of hard to say it's a great or a good show because we've identified like five things that could have really sort of turned up the volume on, on its quality. But you know what? For what it is, it's pretty good. 
It's fine. It's watchable. Yeah. Yes. I was happy to have watched it. Yeah, there you go. There are some shows that you're watching you do sort of get into hate watching. I don't think we're at that stage yet, are we, with Emily in Paris? Well, you're certainly not. <laughs> Where are you at, Sine? Kind of? <laughs> Approaching. I think Eric is further than I am. I think Eric is like, oh, all right, let's do this. <laughs> you have to steal yourself before you watch it. <laughs> I, yeah, I'll admit there was a bit of pre- preparing myself um, for it. <laughs> but I think once I was in it, um, mm. again, Lily Colton just sells it so much and mm. I just have a lot of fun even when the storylines are ridiculous. Um, it's just so fun to watch, um, watch what happens, watch it all unfold and yell at her and say, no, don't do that. Yeah. Stop praying champagne. Yeah. I think the way to watch it is the way we watched it is like get together with a group of friends, talk over it a little bit, talk about how silly she's being, engage with it and have it be a part of your like conversation about things rather than, you know, hmm. a serious Netflix drama that you tune in every Wednesday or whatever. Yes. Hmm. All right. Okay. Let's finish up with star ratings. Erica, what do you reckon out of five? Oh. I think I'm going to give it a 2.6, so just over <laughs> halfway. It's not, it's, it's not great. Um, even other Darren Star shows I've watched, even younger, I think I've liked more than this yeah. in some ways, just for, I guess, showing a lot more of the world in which the characters inhabit and the actual goings-on. Um, but I, on the balance, I'm happy to have watched it. So yeah. I'm pleased that you've um, ascribed to my way of scoring, which is really to the decimal that. point. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm not too far off here. I think I'm going to give it 2.75. Okay. It was enjoyable to watch. Um, I don't think it was very good and I don't think I liked it necessarily, but I had fun. Yes. So that's all you can ask for really. Okay. So, yeah, again, with all our talks or what's quality and whatever, it's kind of like for regular show, it's just not going to be your five star, is it? But for no. what for what it's getting at, it's probably like a four star. So I'm going to give it like maybe a three star overall. Is that is that <laughs> I, okay? Does that make sense? I see what oh, you've done. That's okay. I genuinely thought you were going to say, but five stars. <laughs> <laughs> just the way that Emily in Paris has, I guess, taken over your your thoughts. <laughs> Your life, Lonnie. You have become like the yeah. biggest campaigner for it. It is fun to talk about, isn't it? Mm. And I, I think I, you know, far be it from me to be defending a Netflix, you know, the big corporations show, but I, I do kind of feel a bit bad people talk shit about it. I'm like, well, you know, it's not that bad. Like, let's give it a go at least. And not every show has to be award winning. And the people I see online who talk shit about it, they watch bad stuff all the time and like it, you know. So yeah. I kind of feel like I was getting picked on as being a butt of a joke when it didn't quite deserve that. And there, there's plenty of worse stuff out there as well that sort of oh, gets glossed yeah. over. Just quickly, there was a point in that article, which we will link in the description, um, the review that you sent that was talking about Sex in the City because Darren Starr, obviously. Mm, and it was saying when that was created, you know, it was written off as a shallow thing that women just watch and I wonder if a lot of the hate towards Emily in Paris is sort of undisguised misogyny or mm-hmm. unintentional misogyny yeah. as in this is a show about a woman that girls will like so it can't be good it's only going to be frivolous and fun and a chick flick it's, it's oh. not going to have any substance because things that girls watch don't have substance do you know I think that's totally true Sine. and I think in the past few years it's kind of like to be a genuine show by and about women it has to be something traumatic 
or something are sort of dark. Like even Fleabag is pretty dark in a lot of ways and other popular shows it has to be about how tough it is to be a woman. And like there's a little bit of that in Ellie Paris, but for the most part it's light and fluffy. I think that's probably true because it can be easily dismissed because it's seemingly yeah, a not-so-serious show about women and that's not something we have to take seriously. Mm. And the fact Just that people feel the need to interject their opinions about it. I don't really care what um, a 30-year-old man thinks of the show. I don't know. If you, if you aren't interested in any way about the show, then... I don't know why you're talking about it. You don't have to. You don't have to engage with the discourse. I guess mm. um, that's totally right. And people talking shit about it because it got nominated for a Golden Globe last year. But I was like, this is the same award ceremony that so many people think is shit anyway. What's it matter if the shit award show awards this <laughs> gives an award to this show that you don't even like? Like, you're just getting outraged for no reason, which is you know the internet. But yeah. <laughs> it strips the. It strips some of the. Um, I don't know, the facade off it because it came out that they'd paid for this trip, mm. right, to Paris yeah. for the voters. But I bet a lot of that's going on for Everything. hundreds of other things that are being nominated. Well, I read a quote once. I don't know if it's true and it might not be. I think pretty sure it's about Gary Oldman, but it might not be. I can try and find it. But it was when Gary Oldman won um, his Best Actor Oscar. It's like, yeah, that summer mm. Gary Oldman shook every hand in Hollywood until he got his award. Like he did, did the yeah. rounds, you know, he, he did the campaign himself because it was his time, you know. So, yeah, it's a bit unfair that Emily in Paris got in trouble for something that has happened for years and years and years in Hollywood. Absolutely. There's, there's campaigns. I think mm-hmm. the, for the Oscars, for example, they'll put up posters all over Hollywood saying, for your consideration. Yep, they'll send out screeners and stuff, yeah. Yeah, so it's, yeah. A, it's a lot more blatant but also, <laughs> I don't know, it's... <laughs> That's what I expect from the show about how good marketing is. Mm, exactly. I mean, I Very I true. Really I guess things are corrupt. I guess that's fine. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> if you were really, I don't know, if you were, if this was opening your eyes to the, I don't know, corruption in entertainment in Hollywood or the goings on, the glad handing and the mm. wheeling dealing. I don't know. I don't know what you've been thinking all this time, but <laughs> you used to think it was so pure, but then Emily in Paris has pulled back the the veneer. Damn it! Yeah. Anyway, quite revolutionary in that regard. I, I think it's a French Revolution. The show. <laughs> <laughs> Fun wrap up. I reckon we've spoken about this for an hour and a half. It's flying by, but at the same time, that is a long time to talk about Emily in Paris. Yes. Um, Erica, thank you so much for coming on board today. Thank you, Erica. Can people find you somewhere if they want to hear more of your work? Um, I guess look for me at the Palace Cinema every couple of weeks <laughs> where I watch a movie with Lonnie. <laughs> All right, we'll see you there. While we wait for Emily, while we wait for Emily, while we wait for Emily season three. Yes. No, rather while we wait for um Sine to come back from this. Are you still on the space station? I am. I have returned yeah. to the space station. Yeah. So Weird pivot time. that I made from writing to um astronauting, but you know. Yeah, transferable cool skills. To me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone has to write the reports up there. That's it. That's you know, I've true. got to write emails too. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, thank you, Sinead, for coming on board today as well. Great stuff, as always. <laughs> no worries. You don't normally thank me, <laughs> but sure. Well, you deserve it's a nice thank to you be thanked. Oh, thanks. Are we on the social, Sinead? We are. We're at I Only Like You Pod on Twitter. Um, come tweet at us. Yeah, we like it when people engage. Especially about Emily in Paris, our favourite show. Just tweet any criticism directly at Lonnie. Mm, <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. 
Okay, then. Well, until next time, thank you again, Erica. We'll see you again, Family in Paris Season 3, next year, I suppose. Thank if not before. before. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, okay, until then, until next time, see you guys. Bye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.